the final straw was <coughs> had, had been drawn and God was upset and God said, that's it. And they were taken into captivity. Psalm 137, though, is a very familiar psalm to most of us. And um, in that psalm, we find the story of them in, not the story, but we find their heart uh, in captivity. Right? We'll look at a man called Cyrus tonight. And he is one of the most incredible characters in history and in uh, the Bible as well. You see, Cyrus is the man that ultimately is going to send Israel back to Israel. The, the amazing thing about Cyrus is that he's not a believer. He has nothing to do with, the, <clears throat> with God. But um, <clears throat> God names him about 150 years before he ever took the throne. God puts a name on him and says what he's going to do. So we'll look at this man tonight. Uh, I've got a lot of scripture we can cover, so uh, I'm going to tell you some of the story, and I'm gonna, we're, we're going to look up uh, some of Psalm 137 uh, to start off with. That's a word of prayer before we start. Father, would you bless us tonight, Lord? Help us, Lord, as we look at this great man, uh, and our Lord, as we look at your workings uh, in, in the hearts and the lives of your people. Lord, we know that you love Israel, that you haven't stopped loving them, that you haven't stopped having a heart for them, and that, Lord, you haven't done with your plans for them uh, either. Uh, but Lord, we do know that so often they went their own way and did their own thing and that you had to deal severely with them. And Lord, what we know as Israel today is nothing like you want it to be, but Lord, it will be one day uh, because you're going to put your hand upon it and you're going to turn all those things around. Now, Lord, uh, help us tonight as we look to your dealing with this nation to understand how we can expect you to deal with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 137. <clears throat> By the rivers of Babylon... Uh, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing as one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones. Uh, against the stones. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had come with his armies. They had <clears throat> destroyed uh, Jerusalem. They, they had taken the people captive. And their practice was this. Uh, instead of leaving the people in their own place uh, to pay uh, tribute to them, Babylon's plan was well, what we do is we just lift them out of it, we transport them somewhere else, and we put some other people in their place. And that way, uh, we, we, we create less struggle and less strife for ourselves in having to deal with them. So that's what they did uh, <clears throat> with the nation of Israel. They, they took, them with the, uh, took them out of their land and they brought them to a foreign land and they were there. And so the people of Israel now are, are stuck in a place they don't want to be. And they've been in Israel for generations now. And they know what it's like and they know what freedom tastes like and they know all the good things they had. And now, so they're, they're going to mourn over their loss for 70 years. But do you know that God had warned them again and again that he would do it? That God had told them again and again, way back in the book of Leviticus, in chapter 26, verse 30 through 32 through 35, God had warned them that if they would worship idols, he would 
scatter them over the face of the earth and he would leave the land idle so that it could have uh, its Sabbaths. Way back then, just when they were getting started as a nation, just when they were get, getting started in the nation, right? Um, <clears throat> look at Second Chronicles uh, 36, verse 17. And you're going to have to work with me as far as going back and forth in the Bible today. I know you didn't want to work tonight, but it's going to be good for you, right? Second Chronicles chapter 36. And by the way, keep it there, because we're going we're to end up at, at Ezra chapter... Keep a marker there, because we're going to end up at Ezra chapter 1 uh, in a few moments as well. All right, so 2 Chronicles 36 and verse 17. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age, he gave them all into his hand, and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king, uh, of his princes, uh, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God, and break down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt all the places thereof uh, with fire, and destroyed uh, all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword, carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign uh, of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land hath enjoyed her Sabbath for as long as the land she lay desolate, uh, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. The nation of Israel was supposed to, <coughs> uh, they were supposed to take <coughs> one year and leave the land fallow, completely fallow in it. And they didn't in all the time they were there. And it added up to 70 years. And so God says at this point, he says, I'm going to take all the Sabbaths all at once. He was going to have this nation to do it his way, regardless of whether they particularly wanted to or not. And you know that God is God, and he rules in the affairs of men, and there's nothing he can't do. And when he promises you something for good, you can expect it to be brought about. And when he promises you something for bad, if you do this, I'll do that, you can be sure he will do it. Now, we didn't look much at Jeremiah as we looked at the kings of Israel just for time's sake, but the prophet Jeremiah prophesied uh, during the time of the last kings uh, of uh, <clears throat> Israel, of, uh, uh, of Judah. And he was constantly telling them what was going to happen, constantly warning them what would happen. But they weren't listening. They weren't hearing. Now, look just a couple of verses in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 25. Now, keep your finger there, by the way, in Second Chronicles, because you're going to be... Uh, in the next verse. Jeremiah's uh, in the prophets. So Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah 25 verse And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it a perpetual desolation. Now what's God saying here? God has judged them. He has sent them out of the land. He has taken away their land from them and sent them uh, into a foreign land. They've, they've, they've struggled with it because he told them he would do. But he also told them something else. He told them after 70 years, I will bring you back. 
Now, how do you do that? I mean, if you look at history, history seems so... Sometimes it just seems like, you know, one thing happens and it knocks on another and something else happens and, and, and you know, there's no, it just seems so random at times. You know, if you look at our politics, I mean, how do you end up with the politicians that we have? Well, the vote went one way and somebody else had this problem and that problem and so you end up with Donald Trump in the, in the White House in America and, you know, you, you end up with a government that nobody really imagined and you end up with all these things happening just because they happened. But do you know that what God is saying here is, God is saying this, I I am going to tell you how long Babylon will last. I'm going to tell you how long you will be in captivity. And then I'm going to destroy Babylon. And we don't normally think about that, do we? We don't normally think about the fact that God is in control of all of it. When you come to prophecy, you see very clearly that God is in control of all of it. There's nothing that God's not in control of. God's in control of government. You know, we look at our situation, and we've got a nice situation, by the way. Yeah, like, listen, you can complain about the water tax and about uh, <clears throat> all the other taxes that, that are out there, uh, and you can feel bad about those things and go to battle with the government about those things, but you know, we have a good. We have a good. We have freedom. We have freedom uh, in our land. We have safety in our land. We have the ability to go out and make a living in our land. Listen, we have a good. And we tend to just take that for granted because that's, that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been in our lifetime. That's not the way it is for most of the world. Do you know why that's the way it is for Ireland? Because God. Now, that doesn't mean that Ireland is a, <clears throat> a super good nation and God uh, is blessing Ireland because we're good. That just means that it's God. And it's in God's hand and it's under God's control. And the, co- the, the comfort and the ease that we enjoy today, we enjoy because of him. Now, most of the nation don't realize that. Most of the nation are totally unaware of it. But you and I had better be. We had better be aware of the fact that it's God. You know, when we say, <clears throat> we say grace, or we give thanks before we eat food. Why do we do that? It's a recognition of the reality that God provides the food. It's not <clears throat> um, the spar, it's not Littles, and it's not Tesco's. God provides the food. And we're recognizing when we eat that it's God that provides our food. And God provides everything else that we have. And I don't know about you, but you know, when somebody is ungrateful for what they've got, it makes me not interested in in, in giving them more. And I think sometimes the fact that we don't even pause to recognize how good we have it, how blessed we are, I think sometimes we, we could easily be on the wrong side of God as far as that's concerned. And like I say, the nation's not going to think to thank God. Not at this stage. You and I better be aware of it. You and I better be in the place where we're, where we're thanking God uh, <clears throat> for what he's doing in our lives because he's in charge of all of it. There's Babylon, mighty nation under Nebuchadnezzar, conquered the world in its day. And here you have 70 years later, God says, you know what? I'm going to just destroy it. And the Bible tells us that God puts up nations and God takes down nations. And he's in charge of everything in between as well. Okay, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Now again, <coughs> You know, 
these people have been removed from their land. You take people out of their land, you send them somewhere else, and they get forgotten and their land gets forgotten and they assimilate into the land they've gone to. That's what Babylon was hoping. That's what Nebuchadnezzar was, was thinking. You know what? They'll just forget about their homeland. This will become their homeland and I'll be able to rule them easier. That was his, his whole plan. And, <clears throat> you know, because how do they go back? How, how do you go back having been removed and put in captivity in a different land? I mean, where do you go back to? Can you imagine going back after 70 years to your old home and trying to take up uh, <clears throat> what you were doing 70 years before and uh, get things moved? It's impossible. I mean, the city's flattened. The houses are gone. It's impossible. God says, no, I'm just going to bring you back. I'm going to do it. God can do absolutely anything. All right? <clears throat> now, Number two, we're not going to look at this in Daniel. <clears throat> but in uh, Babylon was taken by Cyrus in Daniel 5.31. It's, it's um, Darius the Mede, but Darius the Mede is uh, connected to Cyrus. Cyrus is the one that actually won the battle, and he, he took uh, Babylon. And remember, Belshazzar uh, is, in, is having a feast. And what does he do in that feast that bothers God? Anybody remember? What does he do in that feast that bothers God? He takes out the... Uh, he takes out the um, <clears throat> vessels from uh, the temple in Jerusalem and he toasts the gods that are no gods with them. And all of a sudden there's a writing on the wall and it says you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting and Daniel was brought in to interpret it. And then <clears throat> at the end of that chapter, uh, Darius the Mede actually uh, comes in and he takes over and Cyrus has effectively conquered Babylon and it's gone. It's over. It's finished. God does what he says he's going to do. He does what he says he's going to do for good, and he does what he says he's going to do for bad, always. Now, <clears throat> Ezra chapter 1, the place where you got your finger, right? Ezra chapter 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, is the first year that he ruled over uh, Babylon, the first year that he ruled over uh, Israel effectively, right? And the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jer Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. He does not know God. He has no idea who God is. Now, <clears throat> he does have this going for him. He's a very tolerant king. And he has a totally different attitude to the Babylonians. Right? <clears throat> um, he believes that if you send people back to their own place and let them worship their own gods, uh, and they make money and pay you taxes, you're better off than having them all corralled into places they don't like being. Right? And you say, oh, yeah, well, that, that kind of explains why he did it. Yeah, it does, but it doesn't explain the rest of it. Right? But that's, that's what he's going to do. So he's going to send them back uh, to their own place. But he doesn't know God. He knows nothing about God. And he's making this proclamation to send them uh, back to their own place. Verse 3, Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God uh, which is in Jerusalem. And whomsoever remaineth in any place uh, where he sojourneth, let the men of his place 
help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts, uh, beside the freewheel offer, offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites and all of them whose spirit God had raised up to go to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were... <clears throat> Uh, about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, and with the precious things beside all that was willingly offered. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and had put them in the house of his gods. Even those did Cyrus king of Persia bring forth by the hand of Mithrat uh, the treasurer, and number them unto Sheshazabar uh, the prince of Judah." And he goes on to, to, to number them. That You know what he did? He sent them back with money. And then he took all the treasures that had been taken out of the house of the Lord and he sent them back to you. Now, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Here we are 70 years later. God said he would do it after 70 years. 70 years later and the people are going back and all the gold and silver from the temple is going back to him. How? Because God's in charge. God's in charge of everything. And by the way, it's not a different God in the Old Testament than it is today. He's the same yesterday and today forever. He is able to do what he wants and he does it in the affairs of men. All right, now, <clears throat> Jeremiah. Sorry, not Jeremiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. Now, I'm, this, this is your last passage you have to look, look up, all right? Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things and stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars and maketh diviners mad that turneth wise men backwards and maketh their knowledge foolish. Now, <clears throat> by the way, that's an interesting verse because this is where he's making the prophecy of what's going to happen uh, more than 150 years later. He's actually saying what's going to happen and he's saying <clears throat> he makes the diviners mad, uh, he turns wise men backwards and maketh their knowledge foolish. Do you know that people will not accept the prophecy we're just about to read? Because, you know why? Because it can't happen. Because you can't name somebody 150 years beforehand and name their kingdom and name their ministry. It's impossible to do. And so people will reject this prophecy, but you know what? God is saying, I can do it because I can do anything. I can do it. <clears throat> okay, verse 26, that confirmeth the word of his servant and performeth the counsel of his messengers and saith to Jerusalem, thou shalt be inhabited and to the cities of Judah you shall be built and I will raise up the decay decayed places thereof, that saith to the deep, 
be dry and I will dry up thy rivers. Now listen, this is an interesting verse uh, here in verse 27. <clears throat> do, you, do, you, do you know how Cyrus actually took Babylon? What he did was he drained the river Euphrates into a swamp area and made a lake so that the water went down low enough that people could walk through it. It wasn't completely gone. The river was still flowing, but he drained it. He was a, he was a master a tactician at working things out. So he came in by a way uh, that Belshazzar was not expecting at all. That's how he, how he was able to take the kingdom. Right? <clears throat> um, that Seth of Cyrus, now he's naming him here. Right? He's naming the name of Cyrus. The man hasn't been born yet. He won't be born for over 100 years. God is naming him. That Seth of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, and thou shalt be built, and to his temple thy foundation shall be laid. Now we're going to skip over to the, uh, <clears throat> chapter 45, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. And I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee uh, by thy name and the Lord God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and for Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. All right, so let's backtrack through it here. First of all, this man, Cyrus, he didn't know God. And by the way, there's no account that he ever did get to know God. You know, I, he, 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 he thought everybody could have their own God and they could believe in their God and that was no problem. But there's no account that he ever came around to the place of believing in God. But did you see what God says? Um, <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. Cyrus was his anointed. Now what does that mean? He had a task for Cyrus to do and the fact that Cyrus didn't know him didn't stop him from doing it. Don't we sometimes think that the Christians are under God's control if they let them? But the rest of the world is not under God's control. They just do what they like. Do you know there's nobody in this world that God's not in charge of? There's nobody in this world that God doesn't rule over. The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Now what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you in your day-to-day -day life and the reality of how you live? Well, it means this. You know, when you come to dealing with people, deal with him first. Because he's in charge of people. It's not about you somehow winning over people. It's about you talking to him and seeking him because he's in charge of people. And, and, and he's going to put difficult people in your life. And you're going to get frustrated because you want the difficult people out of your life and you want all nice people that treat you nice uh, and do right by you in your life. But you know what? In his wisdom, he puts people in your life that you don't like and he anoints them to do work that you don't like. And that's what he's doing here with this man Cyrus, man that doesn't know him at all. He says, I've taken him by the hand. God took Cyrus by the hand. By the way, Cyrus is a conqueror. He conquered a vast world. He conquered from India all the way up to Greece and everything in between. 
And not only did he conquer it, but he was clever in the way he conquered. The people that Cyrus ruled over, even the nations that he conquered, they loved him. Sometimes they were glad to trade their rulers for Cyrus. Because Cyrus was good to them. And basically, as long as you paid your taxes, you could do what you liked under Cyrus. But he conquered a vast empire. Uh, he, he did great things. But do you know how he did it? God took him by the hand. Now, if we'd ask Cyrus, do you know that God did all this for you? Cyrus would have laughed. He would say, you've got to be joking. Don't you understand? I'm Cyrus. I'm Cyrus the Great. Everybody knows I rule everything in sight. But God took him by the hand. God had a plan for Cyrus's life. And it wasn't because he was a good guy. Don't we sometimes think, well, if I'm a good guy, then I'll get the big plan, the good plan? Not the way it works. That's not the way it works. God had a plan for Cyrus's life. We're going to see what his plan for uh, is in a second. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, <clears throat> but God's plan was to take him and to lead him uh, to subdue nations. Um, I have holden to subdue nations uh, before him. Do you know that God fights, fought Cyrus's battles? God won battles for him. <clears throat> Uh, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. And you know what? People feared Cyrus. He was, he was, he, people were terrified of him because of his power. Why? Because God did it. Because God worked it out. Verse 2, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in some to the bars of iron. People feared Cyrus, and they feared him rightly because, you know what, nobody could stand against him. But do you know why? Because God went before him. Because God was doing a work. And Cyrus was the one he was using to do it. So God took Cyrus and did the work. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the Lord God of Israel. Now, Cyrus had a right to come to know God because of all the blessing in his life. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon that actually took Israel into um, <clears throat> captivity? Re remember he came to know the God of heaven? How'd that come about? Because God showed him that, you know, listen, he, <clears throat> he wasn't the man he thought he was at all. That God was the one that, that, that watched over him. That God was the one that took care of him. That God was the one that gave him everything that he had. And do you know that God gave Cyrus everything he, has, he had? And do you know this? That God's given you everything you have. You don't have anything because you're great or you're wonderful or you're fantastic. Anything good in your life is because of God. And you've got a lot of good in your life. You've got a lot of blessings in your life. We need to be thankful for all that God has given us because it's God that does it. You see, Cyrus doesn't get it. And this is a side issue. It's not the issue we're dealing with. Cyrus doesn't, doesn't get it that all the blessing comes from God. And you know, he misses the purpose of life. You say, come on, this is Cyrus. Everybody knows his name. This is Cyrus. There's, 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 there's museums uh, with rooms dedicated to his stuff. There's, there's little, little tablets um, that are written on that tell all the stories of Cyrus and his, and his great kingdoms and his great work and all that he did and his great battles and all that. Yeah, there are. 
But do you know where Cyrus is today? He's in hell. He missed it. He missed it. He missed what God was trying to do in his life. God did stuff through him, but he missed it. And you know it's possible for people to miss what God is doing in their lives. It's possible for us to get all focused on and all, <clears throat> all tied up with you know, <clears throat> the good things that are happening and think, you know, well, you know what, these good things have to be happening because I'm a good guy. No. The good things happen in your life because God's a good God. They don't happen because of you. They don't happen because you're wonderful. And, you know, that makes us humble. If we let God work in our hearts, that should make us humble. You know, I got blessings in my life and I didn't earn them. You say, none of them, no, none of them. You got blessings in your life and you didn't earn them. Now, the world tells you go out and earn them. Go out and make it happen. Go out and do it. But you know the reality is? The reality is nothing moves in God's world apart from God. And it doesn't go in straight lines. You know, the good don't get the blessings and the bad get the problems. Here's Cyrus. He's not good. God's just using him. God's taken and chosen to use him. You know, God uses the devil. He does. God uses the devil. God uses the devil to achieve what he wants to achieve. It's not because you and I are good that we get, get blessed. It's because of God. Now look, you walk with God and obey his rules and obey his laws and there's going to be blessing in your life just by dint of that. But it's not because you're a good guy. It's because God is a good God. All right, look, look here again. <clears throat> um, verse 4. Look at verse 4. For Jacob my servant's sake and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by name, I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Why did God take and do such a great work through Cyrus? Because he had a plan for Israel. He had a plan to work something out for Jacob, for Israel. He, had, <clears throat> he was working something out. Now, what was he working out through Jacob and through Israel? Why did Israel have to come back to the land? Why didn't God just say, listen, you blew it. It's over. I'm done with you. On with you. Why did they have to come back to the land? Because God had a plan for Israel. God had a plan that he was going to work out for Israel. What was the plan that God was working out? Jesus was the plan. God was working out a plan through this nation. Uh, he was working out that he was going to bring Jesus into, <clears throat> uh, through this nation. And Israel had to be back. So, you know, it's not even because Israel were good guys. It's because God had a plan. And God was working out that plan. And even though Cyrus didn't know him, even though he's an unsaved man, God takes and God uses him to achieve what he wants to do so that Israel can be a blessing to the world, can be a blessing to you and I. And we've all been blessed indirectly by this man Cyrus. Because he brought the nation back, sent the nation back, and the temple was rebuilt, and, and Jesus was going to get born in Israel. We've all been blessed indirectly by him. Right. <clears throat> last verse, verse 5. 
I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. <clears throat> that they may know me from the rising of the sun and from the west, that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form light, and I create darkness. I make peace, and I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, why did the Lord do this as far as Cyrus was concerned and create a situation where <clears throat> 150 years later, a man was going to be born named Cyrus, and God was going to take, and God was going to work through this. Why did God do that? Two reasons, right? There's two reasons here that God did it, right? Because God wanted everybody to know that he's God, and he rules in the affairs of men. That's the first reason. God always wants to know that, the world to know that. God wants you to know that. God wants you to understand that he's God and he rules in the affairs of men. God never wants you to forget about that. God wants you to know he is God and he rules in the affairs of men and there's no one that can stand against him. Now think about it. I mean, if you and I take that on board fully, here's where we come to in our lives. We come to the place in our lives where, you know what? There really is only one person I have to deal with. I have to deal with God because he's in charge of everything else. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do my work and do the best I can with my work and be as wise as I possibly can be. But I understand, you know what? I can't make anything happen and neither can anybody else. I need to understand it's God. God that does it. You know what that's going to do for you? That's going to help you to do two things. It's going to help you to walk with God day by day. It's kind of like you keep your eye on him because he's in charge. We're training a pup at the moment. <clears throat> Gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful, mad as a harem, scarum <clears throat> pup, right? Lulu is just absolutely mad. But you know what Lulu responds to? She's a Labrador. She responds to food. Right? She will do anything for food. Absolutely anything. Now, some of you are like that, aren't you? No, no. <laughs> but but uh, Lulu will respond for food. And you know what Lulu, when she knows you have food... She's trying to do what you want her to do, and she's keeping her eye on you all the time. Because there's food. There's food. And I mean, life's all about food. Life's very simple for dogs. Right? <clears throat> but you know what? Life can be very simple for us, too. Not that I'm a dog in that sense, but you know what? All I need to do is please him. That's all I need to do. Because, you see, the dog thinks that I'm in charge of the world because I've got the food in my hand. And you know what? God is in charge of the world. Just look to him and please him. That's what you need to do with your life. That's, that's the only thing that you really need to do with your life. <clears throat> you need to understand that, listen, he is God. And you need to please him. That's, I mean, that's just simple and straightforward. You know the second thing it will do for you? It will greatly improve your prayer life. Because you know what? I can't, but he can. Doesn't it make sense for I can't to ask he can to do it? Especially when he gives me all the promises that he gives me. Especially when he invites me to come boldly to the throne of grace. Doesn't that make a whole lot of sense? For I can't to come to he can and, <clears throat> and ask him to, to do it in my life? Oh, listen, you know what? If we take the, the reality that God is in charge of everything, it takes away a lot of the insecurity out of life because he's in charge. I just look to him. I just need to walk with him. I just need to be there in him because he's got all of it in charge. And I need to reckon, and I can't, but he can. And you know, 
God is so often waiting on us to come to that place in our lives. Just want you to understand that you're not able, but I am. Now, will you come and ask me for it? Will you come and ask me to do it? Because you can't, but I can. And when we come to that place where we fully understand, I'm not able. That's the place where we're in the right economy with God. We're asking him to do it. All right, so real quick here. Let me, <clears throat> let me close with some things, <clears throat> with three points, right? All God's prophecies will be fulfilled, every last one of them. Do you ever read the prophecy of, uh, uh, of the rapture uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, and you think, man, that sounds a bit far-fetched. If God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. A millennium where Jesus rules from Israel, God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. All that's going to happen in the tribulation, God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, God can take, and 150 years before a man is born, uh, tell you his name, and tell you what he's going to do in his life, and tell you how, and tell you why, and then fulfill it. Then he can do anything. God says if you reject him, you're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell. And if God says if you, is you, if you receive the Son, you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go to heaven. All God's prophecies will come through, true. Every last one of them. Secondly, God is working out his plan. Doesn't the world seem scary and random and who knows what's going to happen next and we just get frightened by it sometimes? Watching the news can be bad for your health. It really can. Watching all that's going on, it can be bad for your health. And it looks just scary and who knows what. And you know, the problem is so much of the stuff that's happening in the news you have absolutely nothing to do with and absolutely no control over but God is working out his plan. God is working out his plan. It's a good plan, and he's a good God. And he's working out his plan. Will it be tough for us sometimes? Yeah, it's going to be tough for us sometimes. But he's working out his plan. He's not forgotten about Ireland. He's not forgotten about our world. And he's not forgotten about you. He knows exactly what is needed in your life to work out his plan for you, and he will do it. He's working out his plan. Rest in that. God's working out his plan. Here's Israel. I mean, here's poor Zedekiah. I really feel for that poor guy. <clears throat> you know, he, he's the king, and um, <clears throat> the Babylonians come, and they besiege his city, and Jeremiah says, would you just give in? God said, give in and you'll be okay. If you don't give in, there's going to be big trouble. And poor Zedekiah is panicked. And he's listening to his nobles and he's, and he's, and he's trying to work out ways to, <clears throat> to make it go his way and win the battle and so on. And finally he realizes it's not going to win, so he, he, he takes flight and runs. But by then it's too late and uh, Babylon sent troops after him and bring him back. And his sons get killed and his eyes put out and none of it needed to happen. Because God was working out his plan. Poor Zedekiah thought the worst disaster that could ever happen is that I would lose my kingdom. Well, guess what? He was going to lose it anyway, but it wasn't the worst disaster because God, God was working out his plan. And 70 years later, he would bring them back again. You know what? Rest in the fact that God's working out his plan. Rest in the fact that God's working out his plan <clears throat> in your life. 
Understand this too, that God can use the strangest of people. Cyrus is just an anomaly. Somebody who doesn't know God and never does get to know God, and yet God takes and God uses him. God can use the strangest of people to do you good in your life. Just understand God's in charge of all of us. You know, there's only two things that you and I really need to do. We need to trust him. He's God. He's got the situation under control. And nothing is happening this week, next week, next year, or the year after that he's not in charge of. Now you think about that. That just sucks all the worry out of your life. Those of you that are worry warts, I mean, that will leave you with a lot of time on your hands, a lot of time to waste on your hands, because God's in charge of all of it. Just trust him. And then obey him. Doesn't it make so much sense if he's in charge of all of it and he's working at his plan that all I do is I say, okay, look, what do I need to do? I don't have to dream up any great plan. I don't have to achieve great things. I just have to obey him. I just have to get up tomorrow morning and read my Bible and say, Lord, is there anything you want me to do today? Lord, is there somebody you want me to witness to? Would you just show me? Or is there anything that's wrong in my life that you want me to change? And you just trust him and you obey him. And then you're walking with the king of the universe. The one who controls all of us. The one that laughs at your problems. Because they're not problems at all to him. The one that looks at your situation and, and says, I can fix that. And when he doesn't, he says, I'm not fixing it because that wouldn't be the best thing. I know it hurts right now, but one day you're going to see, you're going to understand it wouldn't be the best thing. Just trust and obey him. And what a life we can have. We get to walk with the king in the here and now and be plugged into him. And you see, God says that he took Cyrus's hand. Well, he did to achieve what he wanted to achieve, and Cyrus thought it was him. But isn't it so much more wonderful when you take God's hand and you say, no, Lord, you lead me forever. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go. You just lead me because you've got the plan and you've got the power, and that's what I want. And you, you know what, listen, then you have the life. That's the life. Just trusting and obeying him. That's time for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this evening. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for a God that shows his mighty power and that nobody can second guess you, Lord, that you are the king and that you rule in this world. Lord, would you help us to rest in you, to rule in our lives. Would you help us this night to pillar our heads, Lord, knowing you're in charge of it all. And there's nothing, Lord, that uh, you can't and won't work out. And Lord, when we rest in you, Lord, uh, you bring it all to pass. And Lord, we know that we're going to go to glory one day. And Lord, when we go to glory, nobody's going to be asking you, demanding of you why you did this, because it was the wrong thing. But Lord, it's all right. Help us to trust 
and obey and to live with and for you in these days. In Jesus' name.